Hey everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast, where we rank every story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I'm Zach and Adam. Zach! I'm feeling like a dad today. What are you feeling like? Did you say you're feeling like a dad? Yeah, like a dad, like a father, a parent. Don't you, know, don't you feel like that every day? I mean, you, you, you like literally are a dad. Look. That's true, but I did homeowner stuff today. Oh, I fixed yeah. the door. I put up shutters. I found out my HVAC system was having some challenges with the condensate drain. Uh, it's a See, blast. This doesn't, this doesn't sound like, this sounds like, uh, what's that PBS show? This old house? This sounds more like that than dadding. Is that not what dads do? Is oh, houses? D- I mean, they do, but, you know... They- I don't know. You see, this is like a Bob Vila kind of thing going on right now. You're, you're taking pride in your home. I, I like that. Look, all I'm saying is everyone who owns a house is a dad. Isn't that right, Charlie? Yeah, I'd have to probably <laughs> say so. I don't disagree with Adam's This Old House reference, however. <laughs> Guys, Charlie Davis is here this week. Hi. Noted Shatterstarologist. Yes, yes. Charlie, you're here today because... Uh, we're talking about stories that someone on this podcast may have suggested mm-hmm. uh, that involve something that's near and dear to your heart. Mm-hmm. And that is, of course, mid-90s X-Force. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Purple X-Force or uh, blue and yellow X-Force or some combination of those colors also. Strappy X-Force. Uh, lots of X's everywhere, X-Force. <laughs> yeah, there's... There's a lot of X's on this team, uh, and it's 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 a fun set of stories today. And I'll tell you, this is possible, one, because Charlie's our friend, and two, because uh, they went on over to patreon.com slash Xavier Files and have been a supporter of this show more than anyone else. I want to say from a, from a uh, fiscal standpoint, that's true. <laughs> my heart and my money is all in on you guys. <laughs> and that that's very beautiful charlie also is a uh co-host of the sometimes updated podcast uh the young ones and is currently a player on the podcast exiled that also friend of the show luke Hare runs uh it is very good i did not know charlie was going to be on the show and it surprised me because i've been listening to that thing for 150 sub weeks it's okay. I uh, jumped in on a new dynamic, and uh, I hope it's enjoyable and continues to be enjo- enjoyable going forward. <laughs> now, if you want to be like Charlie, first thing you've got to do is make a lot of friends and go on their podcasts, and then give their podcasts a lot of money by like going over to patreon.com slash Files, and then we'll craft an entire episode around your unique interests. Now, now let's just, let's just get this thing going. Adam, what's the first story we're going to talk about today? Uh, we're going to go in, I think, chronological order here. So this is an era where the uh, X-Force annuals are also called X-Force and Cable. So we're going to start way back in 1995 with X-Force and Cable Annual 95. It's titled Fun, Fun, Fun. It is Fun, Fun, Fun. We, we've, we've got a time-honored uh, X-Annual tradition. In here, which is the appearance by uh, the inimitable, uh, impossible man. Does he have another name or is it just the impossible man? Does he have like a Mixoplex kind of thing going on? <laughs> I know that one of his children who does not appear in this story's name is Adolf Impossible. Oh, uh, no. Mm. That's a Matt Fraction thing. That's a bad uh, choice. It know. is. It's a good story, though. Have you read oh, Fraction in Allred's FF? I I believe that it's a good story. I don't know if I believe that that's a good choice, though. <laughs> I think that's fair. He has no real name because, according to the Marvel Wikia, uh, Puppians, which is the race that he's from, have no names. That's fair. I just wanted to know if it was like a 
the the DC man who's also obsessed with Batman sometimes has a name. Talk about Batmite. Something like that. Hold on, we're gonna find this out real quick. Uh, <laughs> Charlie, tell us who's the creative team on this while I Google search Batmite. Oh my God! Well, Jeff Lowe wrote this book. Uh, of course, professional uh, television executive Jeff Loeb, uh, the man who has done a lot of things. Guys, look up Jeff Loeb's Wikipedia page. It's wild. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. It's um the fa- the fact that he was doing this and then is just a TV man now is um kind of, <laughs> kind of kind of absurd. I see him up on those Marvel panels all the time and I'm like, "Man, you wrote some really f- weird stories in the 90s." <laughs> we go off, I guess. Charlie! What? I have to bleep that. I'm sorry. I had to say that. Um, it anyway, Jeff Lowe wrote the story, and it was it was drawn by Matt Ryan and Rurik Tyler. So have at that. Uh, yes. Also, Batmite does not have a name. Okay, that's oh, good fair. to know. According to, to know. the Batman Wikia, which I don't so it's trust, Mister Mitzelplick, whatever. That's a different Mr. character. Mister Mitzelplick. That's a guy with a little top hat. Okay. <laughs> Batmite is the Batman version of Mr. Mixel Picklick, and uh, <laughs> the Impossible Man is the Marvel version of all of them. Okay. They're fifth dimensional um, imps. Also, this book's got <laughs> a lot of inkers on it. Surprise. Uh, Mark Pennington, Andrew Pepe, uh, Ian Axon. Uh, anyway, y'all, y'all know what, what very good anime trope this book does? Well, I believe we're starting with, instead of a time-honored tradition of baseball in X-Men books, we have uh, a two-page spread right off the bat of some volleyball. Uh, yeah, it's a beach episode here. Uh, because C- Cable rented out an entire resort so X-Force could play <laughs> volleyball because he's good. Uh, yeah, he's kind of the best dad, huh? Yeah, he really is the best dad. And now we're seeing how I wrapped this all into my beginning rant. <laughs> is Cable... Is Cable rich? Because, like, he's throwing money around all all in this. Like, he's just throwing money. Like, literally throwing money. Is he rich? I never really think of Cable as being, like, I mean, Emma do you Frost need rich. money? Do you need money in the far future? I don't I don't know. I feel like you would need, like, some sort of weird credit system. Maybe it's, yeah, would... I was going to say maybe it's credits. But also, I feel like, you know how Shatterstar had a lot of money that he saved from being a mercenary and he was able to buy an apartment building? Okay. Like yeah. maybe that, that tracks. Maybe Cable just has a lot of money for being some sort of time mercenary and he just saved it all. Can I postulate yeah. something? Sure. He has the sports almanac from Back to the Future too. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. I mean it it's really all he needs. I mean he could do microtransactions on like a pretty regular basis for several decades and Though, one of the things that's weird about all the stories we're going to talk about today is how young Cable looks in all of them. Yeah. It, it seems like he's, like, de-aging in this era. Do, do you guys, I mean, maybe more in the other stuff we're going to talk about, but he seems to be getting progressively less grisly. You also have to remember that he went from being, like, the most grizzled, like, kind of stereotype of a character to like being a dad basically um yeah all throughout this run of x-force and it continues it continues on to the back end so i think half of it's the art and i think just the shift in temperament that cable also had so this is this is interesting cable like any dad on vacation is very frustrated uh because the impossible man does show up and demand to that cable be a good dad to his children his three, his three strapping lads, and says, "Hey, uh, put my kids on X Force." And Cable says, "No." So the Impossible Man does shenanigans. Do we have a favorite Impossible Man shenanigan? I do like the crabs early on. I'm a big, I'm a big <laughs> crab supporter. I, I really enjoy it, those crustaceans. Um, I like that. The art makes it hard for me to look at this entire thing. Um. I have the floppy of this. Right, as one does. <laughs> and, you know, I get what, what they were going for here. Um, 
And I think it's very silly and fun, but it just, it's so hard for me to look at. The art is very cartoony, and I, I, I think that's really what this is obviously going for. But well, it's an impossible man story. Yes, and I get it, but like... I don't know. I think the, fun, the the best goof here, I think, is the monster at the end who they think's the, the impossible man, but it's actually really a monster. Like, I like that. <laughs> that was good. Um, but let me just tell you, it hurts my eyes to look at this sometimes. <laughs> I want to defend this art because we're going to talk about two other stories. Uh, and my entire reaction was, wow, uh, those other two stories have some bad art. This one's fine, I guess. Uh, it's not great, and especially when you compare it to, like, Adam Polina, who was the main artist around this time, it doesn't hold up as well, by any means. Uh, but I don't, I don't have the same visceral gut reaction to this as you do. I think the art suits the style. I think the art does a very good job with the majority of X-Force, making them feel like they're kids, and having fun on vacation. There's a lot mm -hmm. of good humor and body language with them. And that I appreciate. I I have no issues with this art whatsoever. I think the the biggest detriment to it, though, is just that when we see this, this is, I mentioned before, something that has happened before in the annuals. And so when you see Impossible Man turn up with this cast, how could you not think back to that classic New Mutants annual um, where Impossible Man goes up against Warlock, and you're not going to beat the art in that issue. Um, well, that's... Is that Art Adams? Uh, no, I believe that is Alan Davis. Okay, yeah, that would do it. Yeah, yeah. that'll do it every so time. That you're, you're, you're just... <laughs> you're flirting with danger there. Um, though, I think that the cartoony style that's in this is great. You know, it's great for the volleyball. It's great for Impossible Man becoming Cable's... Um, teacup um or coffee cup that's my favorite and, one because he says i love this stuff it's ridiculous but i love it and it's like cable <laughs> we are we are simpicado right here we are we are the same you and i same same <laughs> um can can somebody can somebody tell me when the movie the mask came out oh, uh, that's a 1994 question. i think uh let's see the mask is 94 good job zach okay Man. Great call, Zach. I That's do not need to know if that movie holds up. The Impossible Man it is doesn't. just reminding me of Jim Carrey's mask in this issue. Um, <laughs> just the way that he's drawn. Um, so I need, needed to pinpoint when that happened in pop, pop culture. Um, I do enjoy uh, the Shatterstar moment with Saved by the Bell. I like that a lot. That was a good, <laughs> good little character beat there. Um, but I think the story's fun. And I think it's very silly. And I think it's good... Like, it's a good story to, like, put X-Force on because they, obviously, I mean, they were getting, they were basically just kids um, for a lot of the runs, run before this. But, um, I, I think this is a good, like, showcase about, like, what they could be or can be and don't always have to be, you, well, they were never the murder squad, let me just talk about that but uh hold on maybe, no they they maybe did a couple of murders maybe they they super became the murder squad during counter x but that's not the point no all my favorites were gone so i didn't care anyway um i'm just being oh. frank with you uh <laughs> but i like the cold open at the beginning of this also where it's like looks like it's gonna be super serious and then it's just a volleyball game <laughs> <laughs> well and that's what i think if you're gonna do uh, an impossible man annual it's got to be silly it's got to be fun and it's got to have visual puns and um i don't think that the art is necessarily up to that challenge really you know if you're going to do impossible man it, it has to be very over the top and there are a couple of fun gags and i agree there the whole thing at the end where there's the island monster and they think it's impossible man but it's not um, the problem is that this, this whole thing really does get kind of, um, pulled down by the, the plot, which is that impossible man wants his three slacker kids who are just like obsessed with sitting around and watching TV to be they're on very the Gen X. Yeah. And they're boring. Like, you know, which is fine. like I said, very Gen X, Adam <laughs> harsh burn. Um, some would argue that I'm a millennial. Uh, 
<laughs> but but when you devote time to like that as being the the you know the reason for the the, the story, I just don't know that it does much. Um, but it's fine. I thought it was yeah, I fun. I don't it know. I don't know either. There's also a backup story uh, in this with Domino shooting people that I don't remember what happened. There's two dominoes and a grizzly and oh geez, what it's an arcade that? thing. It's fine. It's oh whatever. right, yeah. And arcade <laughs> looks kind of like he got his head stuck in a toaster. It's not. A That's from book. the Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale uh, Gambit in Wolverine with Martinek, the mastermind. Right. Yes. Anyway, interesting. <laughs> neither of those stories are on our list, but we do have 267 others. Starting with Dark Phoenix Saga at number one. At number 50, we have X-Men Season 1. At number 100, we have Uncanny X-Men 101 to 103, The Leprechauns of Kassadek Hip. At number 150, we have that first Juggernaut story. Uh, At number 200, we have X-Campus, which is not good. Uh, (laughs) Number 250, we have Pint Size X-Babies Murderama and some worse stories under that. I think there is a first question we need to answer. And this is important. And Charlie, you're specifically uh, equipped to answer this one. Is it better or worse than 137, uh, the X-Force road trip from 71 to 74? It's not as good. It hurts me to say it, but the X-Force road trip was, I think, at that point... Moore had kind of gotten into what he was going to do with X-Force, which sadly doesn't include a lot of the characters mm-hmm. I like. Um, but it, it it knew what it was, and he knew what he was doing. And this this is just a silly thing that I don't think is as good as that. All right. Well, how about this, guys? Because we have at 216, Shatterstar and Adam X versus Arcade. And then lower than that, we have Adam X's first appearance in X-Force Annual 2 at 221. This is not as good as either of those stories. Wait, hold on. No, no, no. This is... Okay, okay. Wait, wait, wait. Mm, mm, uh, Well, Charlie, I... (laughs) This is better than Adam X's very first appearance. I I can see the argument for that time that Adam X the Extreme was back and things had never been deadlier. Uh, Because I do love that. (laughs) I'll... I, I okay. I'll I'll give it to you there. Like that, Adam X was also an X Force annual, his first appearance, and then I can't I can't say that this is better than him and Star teaming up, especially with the. It's a, also a silly story, and maybe it's not that great, but it also has like some pretty good like character stuff for star certainly at the very end of that so i can't put that above i can't put this above that i i think for me right below that is the uncanny x-men gene nation arc slash rogue and iceman's road trip and i think that is better than this yep it is this is definitely better than 219 which is x-men colossus bloodline yep yes so is Is it better than x-men 4 and 5 the introduction of the brotherhood of evil mutants that's a tough comparison right there. Yikes. Again, it's not better than four. It is better than five. All right. Well, then let's make it our new 219 uh, and give uh, give X-Men four the edge. What do you think about that? I'm fine with that, Charles. That, that, works, for, that works for me. All right. right. This is our new number 219. Also, didn't mention it when we were discussing it. At one point, Shatterstar talks a lot about Safe by the Bell. <laughs> yes yes he does those are those little those little character things that i've just like i clawed onto and uh yeah that keeps right. going t- t- today well we're we're gonna keep on keeping on uh moving into x-force proper numbers 63 and 64 uh this is called the haunting of castle doom um it's written by jean francis uh with pencils by anthony castrello and mark pariejo uh and it's about that time when Shatterstar fought some Nazis. <laughs> well, did he, though? It's very true. Did he? Because <laughs> we got to get a little bit into ghost logic here, because... 
are are they touching things? All right, we should probably explain the plot of this because anybody who has not read these issues is going, "What is Adam talking about? This is what a is very... Zach talking about? So, what is Charlie talking about?" As you, as you might, as you might recall um, from previous episodes of this podcast and previous issues of X Force, one issue removed from this arc was the Shatterstar Saga. I accidentally read the issue between it. It's almost as bad as the Shatterstar Saga. That's the that's the one where um, Shinobi Shaw looks like Knives, uh, Vash Stampede's brother from the anime Trigun. Yes. Nice. <laughs> I don't understand that um, reference, but keep going. Oh my god. What, you know, okay, here, fine. No, Someone it's did, canon on fine. this podcast that two animes that I have seen are the X-Men anime that I need $20 more and me and Luz Bianca will do a whole podcast about. And... Neogenesis Evangelion. Us. That's wild. I like how you mumble through that. It's yeah, such a long... Everyone knows what I'm talking about when I say Neogenesis Evangelion. It's the Ninja... one with the Bible and the robots. Ninja Turtle Evangelion. Trigun is the space western anime. That's... Wait, no, wait. Then, then what's Cowboy Bebop? Also, a space anime with space Then why is he a cowboy? It doesn't taste... But it doesn't take place on a dystopian Earth in the far future where everybody's plants. Wait, no, that's House of X. <laughs> Charlie, what's, what are you talking about? <laughs> Guys, can we get back to the important thing that's in this story, which is Littleville, okay? Let's, <laughs> let's break it down. Because Dr. Doom, who's currently missing from the planet Earth thanks to Onslaught, uh, has a thing inside of his castle... From the Silver Age, where he can shrink people down and put them into a little town. No. They're like little uh, people. Uh, okay, okay. If it were only that simple, No, I know. Adam. They're not. They're little They're little <laughs> tiny people clones of themselves while the yeah. real person is like hooked up to them via Bluetooth. Is that right? That's kind. That's Guys, basically what's Guys, before happened. we continue <sighs> with this Littleville discourse, I, I need to ask. I, we need to do a game here. Who can guess the closest issue of Fantastic Four where Littleville first appears? Adam, you're the Fantastic Four guy out of all of us, so... I, I well, that's not true. I mean, I've read a couple of runs. Just give, uh, give me your guess. 25. 25. Charlie, what's your guess? Okay, I'm going to go Price is Right rules, so I'm going to go closer, closer <laughs> but not over, so I'm going to say I'm going to say 15. You're both way wrong. It's 236. Whoa. <laughs> this is a John <laughs> wow. Byrne creation right here where he made oh, little no. people. <laughs> the gift that won't stop giving. <laughs> I like it less now. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Doctor Doom has a tiny town, and he puts some members of X Force in it. Then what happens? Well, Boom Boom is in Littleville. Well, why are they there? They're there because X Force, because Onslaught has taken Doctor Doom off the planet, I guess, somewhere. Uh, they X Force is teaming up with uh, Reed Richards' time traveling father, who. Mm-hmm. Uh, has informed them that there is a time machine inside the castle that needs to be destroyed. And you know Cable's horny for time machines. <laughs> yep, yep. And he wants to blow it up. So um, uh, while they're doing recon, Boom Boom accidentally gets put into Littleville with a guy who claims to be the heir to the, uh, to the throne. And then they all accidentally step on the time thingy and get ghosted back to... World War Two. Oh, uh, listen! They don't accidentally step on the time. Oh, it blows up. The the man that I can't remember what his name is because he's that. Yeah, he's that unimportant to me. Throws a grenade in which causes everything to explode, and then they turn into ghosts and go back in time. Yes, and fight Nazis. You mean it? That was a grenade. It kind of looks like a soda. (laughs) Isn't it kind of like? Listen, the art's also not great here. Yeah, the art is worse in this one. And really, this was the 90s. So who's to say what the reaction of a Doctor Doom time platform and a Surge would do? (laughs) That's true. That could have actually just caused this entire situation. We should also mention that several cast members are just kind of 
chilling on the periphery, not involved in the story whatsoever, and tapping their toes yeah. and waiting for the rest of them to come back. <laughs> uh, Sunspot, Caliban, and uh, Jimmy are all just hanging out. They're just waiting. That's great. Uh, the second issue of this is is just way more bananas than the first. And speaking it's, of John it's... Byrne, the art here is strangely like aping his style on many occasions. Although I will have to say the issue, the cover to issue sixty four is really good. <laughs> when Shatterstar is doing a Days of Future Past kind of looked. Yes, it's and I really love the caption. Those meddling it's, mutants. It's, it's really good. Oh boy. There's also an interesting coloring effect that they use on this issue where, like, the X-Force guys, since they're ghosts, are supposed to look a little washed out in, in the mm-hmm. colors. And I, All right, so th- let's get back to my original concern here. They're ghosts. They, on multiple occasions, prove that they can walk through walls. And yet, when it comes down to fight scenes, they can blow stuff up and use their powers against things? I don't understand there's little to no logic here. I I don't understand why we've established that we can ghost through stuff, but then become tangible at will. Yeah, when they talk, the people who are in that time period are like, oh, did you hear something? I didn't hear anything. <laughs> but then they're seen by troops, and then they attack, and then Richter can use his powers and like blow a hole in the castle. I don't know. And then, then what's what's great about this though? I the thing part of I really enjoyed is that this is a time paradox because there's a, a Baron von Strucker plot to assassinate the heir's great great grandfather or whatever, and he's not sure if he's there to help save him or to wait and see how he's saved. I, I liked that part. That was kind of clever. I, I think out of the two issues, I think this one is is much better. Because it's not all set up, it's actually X-Force doing stuff. Mm -hmm. And it is, like, wild. Like, the fact that they go back in time and become ghosts and fight Nazis, (laughs) like, it's wild. But it does have some really good moments in it. Uh, Star cutting a Nazi's hand off and Rick being really rude to them. Both really good things. Um, But I don't know. (sighs) You know... I don't know how much I can be like, this is fun, and I like it, and this is not great. Yeah, also, here's <laughs> the thing. Also, no one's costumes match. Like, this... this is where we're getting to an era where nobody's costumes match anymore. Yeah, the costumes are weird in these. This story's not actually good, right? This one's kind of bad. No. It has fun elements to it. it yeah. But yeah. it is kind of a mess. Like, just art-wise, the way it's scripted. I don't understand how any of this is logic at all. The only part of this story that does make sense is the guys hanging back. And even that has like this stupid added wrinkle of somebody passing out. And you're like, why? What is this? Somebody (laughs) hands somebody a CD and they're like, you know, what is this? Uh, Yeah. Also, I'm I'm not the best. I'm not as much as I like some of this era and the the stuff before this, like, before the Shatterstar Saga stuff. Like, I'm not the biggest fan of Caliban even being a member of the team. Mm. Caliban's so. the worst in this. He's just a dummy. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the uh, John Francis Moore X-Force actually really, like, kicks kicks into gear in the next issue. Because uh, that's when Risqué shows up and they get a cool logo that looks like a spray paint. And Except for that uh, Jimmy starts to look... Jimmy starts his the way he looks just like all morphs all throughout X Force's run. Like he looks nothing like Jimmy looks now or even looked in the very beginning. Oh yeah. Look <laughs> in this middle part. I still love it. Uh should we rank this no, it's, one? It's good. We should. Should we rank this one? Okay. I think uh, we should rank is... it before GW Bridge tries to arrest us because he's so <laughs> sick of us. Oh man. GW Bridge. Uh, the gift, also the gift that won't stop giving. <laughs> You're never going to arrest Cable, even if he's standing in front of you, not posing you any threat whatsoever. <laughs> this is, is worse this... than 219. This is worse than the Beach Annual. I would agree with that. Yes. I would also say this is worse than that X-Force Annual 2, uh, the first appearance of Adam X. I would say this is worse than New Mutants 98 to 100, which is at 223. 
Oh, is it that? Where's two? Yeah, it's. I don't know about that one. Uh, I do. (laughs) Come on. Um, (laughs) it's better than two twenty six. The Excalibur London Hellfire Club. All right. I think it's about the same level of okay, whatever. It's the nineties nonsense. Like where the Xbox were trying to find their feet again. Mm-hmm. I like this better than Leprechaun Murder Mystery. Okay. Because I was going to ask if you liked it better than, or worse than Curse of the Mutants. Oh. This has time. They're kind of weirdly on par, aren't they? They're, they're both a mess. Uh, I think the art is better in Curse of Mutants, but this has time travel in it. And this does. And has Shatterstar cutting hands off Nazis. Uh, yes. <laughs> I don't know. I've had more fun reading this, I think. Well, then let's put it at the new 224, right under New Mutants 98 to 100. Perfect. Uh, X-Force, The Haunting of Castle Doom. <laughs> Can I talk to you just really quick before we move on about how I also have the floppy of this? And as soon as you open it, there's an ad for Captain Crunch. Oh, nice. That's very good. That's one of Shatterstar's yes. top seven serials. That's very true. Are they ranked? What's his number one? A cinnamon Toast Crunch. Mm. CTC. That's that's a pretty good choice. Captain Crunch cuts up your mouth. I don't really like it. Yeah, it, it's it's really it, you really got to watch yourself with that. Oh, yeah. But Oops All Berries is also up yeah. There. Actually, wait. Let's let's talk for one second. Uh, let's let's move into the newest segment of this podcast that I like to call Shatterstar Serial Corner. Shatterstar Serial Corner. Thank you for those mouth sounds. That was so good. Uh. <laughs> My question to you, because someone I worked with at one point posed this to me, and I thought he was speaking like madman. Uh, Captain Crunch, Crunch Berries are essential or not? No. No. Yes? You're both wrong. Are we? Listen, peanut butter Captain Crunch is better than any Captain Crunch with Crunch Berries in it, although the fun and nostalgia factor of oops all berries kind of outweighs peanut butter captain crunch but then that's just tricks isn't it no they taste totally different all right it's been a while since i've had these oops all berries is not as fun as since you can just buy it at all times oops all berries needs to be a special thing where the factory messed up correct so there's no oops anymore yeah, it's just, you can buy is it. just yeah, you can just get it anywhere now, but it is worse than peanut butter Captain Crunch in taste. But Captain Crunch really isn't the best because it also gets soggy in cereal very, very quickly. So you kind of are on a time limit when you're eating Captain Crunch. But I would just say you should probably should always eat Cinnamon Toast Crunch instead. Yeah, because it's <laughs> okay. not made of fiberglass insulation. <laughs> Well, speaking of which, my three-year-old did just barge into the room during Shatterstar's cereal corner. Now, let me ask him. What's your favorite cereal? Fruit Loops. Fruit Loops? Yes! Yeah, Good choice. Very yeah, solid. Very, very solid. I just like Fruit Okay, let's go take you back to your mommy. You're not supposed to be down here during Daddy's recording. <laughs> I'm back. Uh, thanks. Sorry for that. Uh, children are children. Uh and boys will be boys, I guess. I don't know. I'm pretty sure that's not something we say anymore because it has a toxic uh, connotation to it in our it's culture. Okay. Spe- edit, it out, edit it in post. <laughs> Speaking of toxic comics in our culture, we have one last story to talk about. <laughs> toxic? Stop it! How dare you? How dare you insult a sequel to my favorite story of all time as Guardian Wars? This is amazing. This is... <laughs> Adam, Adam, are you doing a parody of yourself? <laughs> Well, I'm reading this, which is, this is X-Force and Cable Annual from 1997, The Journey Back to Asgard. And I'm like, oh, okay, this could be cool. I'm liking this. No, I'm not liking this. Okay, I was about to say, because this one, guys, this one's a weirdo one. It is a very wasted opportunity. This story could be amazing. It has Malekith in it. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Charlie, how much Thor have you read? Very, very little. Adam, how much Thor have you read? I have read up through the middle of the Jane Foster stuff. 
Okay, here's what I'm going to say. There's only been two good Malekith stories ever, and one of them just ended. Uh, so Malekith actually kind of sucks. The other one's the Cask of Ancient Winters uh, from the Simonson run. Turns out Walt Simonson, pretty good at Thor. Good at comics. Good at comics, yeah. yes. I I will also say that that Malekith story that just ended, it's a pretty long story. <laughs> it is. Yes. But even, the, even, even before the War of the Realms was set up, the first Malekith story with the League of the Realms, the it's actually one of the weaker ones in Aaron's run. Hmm. That's all I'm saying. Oh, okay. I liked it, but... Uh... It came right after the God Butcher and the God Bomb, and that's just such a step down. Yeah. All right. Like, Asad Ribic said, I don't really want to draw this one, guys. Well, this uh, is not offering me what I want. Uh, Danny... Uh, Moonstar has been hanging out with the MLF and a strangely, forearm, to be specific. strangely casually dressed forearm, um, which I was let not... Michael McCain do what he does. <laughs> let him relax. He's got to have downtime, too. That's right. He can't always be wearing gear and uh, suspenders and lederhosen. Um, uh, they are attacked by what I guess was a Cerberus, but is actually three different dogs. Okay. Um, the Valkyrie are, are all dead because they all seem again. to be regularly. Again. And yeah, everyone freaks out when the Valkyries all die. No, that happens. Happens weekly. Um, and they have to travel back through the castle from X-Men and Alpha Flight, which I was like, okay, this could be cool. And no, it's not. Um, it, there's not a lot happens. That everybody's fine at the end. I mean, did anything happen in this issue that we need to be aware of? I mean, they all kind of, you know what it is? It was kind of just like X-Force revisits that one really good X-Men story. Yeah, but not yeah. in like a fun or interesting way. Yeah, because it's very by the numbers. It's very much like, honestly, it's very much like, hey, you remember that cool thing that happened last time we were here? Yeah. This like, is... it talks about... X-Men Alpha Flight, but it also talks about the last time that the New Mutants were here. Yeah. With the, uh, with the death of, what, the Hela story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Hela shows up in this. I completely forgot. She's a pushover here, man. Yeah, she's not the really, uh, really strong MILF energy that we got in uh, Thor Ragnarok at all. <laughs> no. No. I'm, I'm, I'll say that. <laughs> I I do like um I do like Caliban throwing Shatterstar. Um, that one's good. That part's a good one. I also really love. Let me just talk to you about the things I really love. Since we're sounding like a bit of a downer here. Oh, definitely. Really, we're in downtown. Bill. Yeah, we're downtown right now. I really love when uh, Star says, "Hey, I could live in Asgard because it suits my warrior nature better." And Rick says, "Don't give me that." Your warrior nature could never survive without pizza. Sorry, those that line, those lines, just real good. I, I just love them a lot. Look, John Francis Moore, when he wrote Shatterstar and uh, Richter, did a good job, even though it did not happen very much. No, it did not, and I'm I'm kind of sad about it because that's kind of like I take little bits and bobs from places, and I'm just like, yeah, that that seems good and right. Also, why is everyone's outfit purple except for Rick's? Is it because he came back too late? Maybe. I, sure. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, that sounds good. Why does Shatterstar have a knowledge of elves and goblins? Of folktales? Oh, <laughs> let me talk to you about that line. Someone's teaching him those things, and I don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have a theory on this. I have a theory on this. Uh, one weirdly specific uh, character trait of one of the best of the uh, X-Force, uh, that is, of course, James Proudstar, is that he likes to read. So I like to think that James Proudstar uh, just read Lord of the Rings, and then Bobby DaCosta was like, oh, dang, Sam loved those books. He told me everything about them. And they started talking about it, and then Caliban and Shatterstar were around, and they just absorbed like the third or fourth hand energy of that okay that true true because star is very suspicious of elves and fairies <laughs> uh <laughs> another thing that happens in this story is that danny moonstar's um psionic arrows just sort of do whatever the story needs them to do so that we can get this thing wrapped up so they kill they reanimate they blow things up i mean like 
I, I just. And she doesn't like cable very much. <sighs> of course not. I guess. Um, I don't know. This is a bit of a mess. Um, it has a couple of fun moments to it. And I wish that the callbacks to past interactions and characters um, were, were more fun. But they're not. So I, I, I can't get into this one. Yeah, I wish some of the stuff that happened in this was good. Here's, <laughs> yeah. what, here's, what, I've kind of, here's what I've kind of picked up about John Francis Moore. Uh, John Francis Moore is really good at character interactions. John Francis Moore just kind of goes on wild streaks with plot. Mm. Yeah. He just says, this is what we're doing now. And it doesn't always work, or it doesn't often work, if I'm being real fair to him. Uh, but his character stuff is real good, and that's that's yeah. nice. You have to also really understand, and I know this is an annual, so like you could do whatever you really wanted with it. Um, but you have to think about, like, <laughs> Jeff Loeb didn't leave him a lot of room to work with, um, considering the last story he wrote was incomprehensible. <laughs> This is true. This is true. So where do you so where do you pick up from that? Like it's basically someone handing you something that's already on fire and you're like, <laughs> "Okay. <laughs> Let me piece something together with these ashes." Um, yes. All right. Well, let's let's rank it. Is it better than the Shatterstar saga at 258? Yes. yes. It makes sense and we don't turn into reading a manga at the end. Okay. Um, better than 252 pint size X babies murder Rama Zach. Maybe here's what I know. It's not better than it's not better than Wildcats X Men at 239. No, <laughs> nope. Uh, yeah. I mean, as close as X Force is to a covert action team, uh, who's an unauthorized one at that. <laughs> uh, they uh. <laughs> They aren't as good as the Wildcats X-Men story. Uh, is is this better than those those Star Trek stories? I don't think it's better than Heroes for Hope at 244. Um, what about that story with the Neo? It's This is probably better than the Captain Marvel story with yeah. Adam X, the X-Dream. Yeah. Oh, oh, yes. Oh, oh, yes. Yeah, that was pretty bad. Um, and the first Star Trek x-men is better than the second one yes so do we break up the star treks no we put it below star trek next generation (laughs) and above the neo perfect i think all right so that would make it our new 247 this is our new 247 the x-force and cable annual from the year 19 and 90 seven right no just came on your podcast to like backfill the list i think um (laughs) no we needed it we needed it sometimes people are like oh talk about all these good stories that i like and i'm like guys i'm here for the trash i'm a garbage pail (laughs) put put trash in me i'm here to have my expectations raised very highly and then thrown down into the ravine and And stepped upon. Adam! Adam, I'm so sorry. (laughs) I'm so sorry that this last story didn't do your favorite story of all time, Oh, of course not. Nothing is going to. You know what I mean? Even uh, the second round of uh, Asgard in New Mutants doesn't do the first one justice. So, uh, that being said, I think we've ranked three, and we're doing pretty good here. Is Zach Zach still with us, or did we lose him? No, I'm definitely still he here. I'm is sorry. Here. My, my son is in the room and he's trying to hit me with a Bugs Bunny pillow, which is against the rules of laying in bed with your headphones on <laughs> while daddy records his podcast about X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> so that's three stories. I first want to thank Charlie. Charlie, thank you so much for being on the show tonight. It was a real joy. The way you said that makes me yeah, think it, it wasn't. But... Like I'm having quite a recording session on my end, guys. <laughs> I understand that. Well, thank you for inviting me on. I love to talk about the things that make me happy, but also sad sometimes. <laughs> Perfect. Charlie, where can people find you if uh, you would like to be found? Yeah, well, you can find me at Geneticist on Twitter, where I... I don't, I'm not super, super yelly about anything recently, but um, 
talk about X-Men, talk about the things I write, um, talk about when my um, not-defunct podcast, The Young Ones, updates, because sometime we will update the podcast that will become regular again. Um, um, to be my- fair, Adam and I have been on the podcast more recently than, you know, the rest hi, of the team. Aw, hi. <laughs> that's, that's true. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, but that's where you can find my stuff. Today's been a real interesting recording. <laughs> well, Zach, uh, you should probably thank our... our, our... I love you, Adam. Aw. Who does he love? This is good. He said, I love you, Adam, and he oh. doesn't know Charlie's name. Right back at you, buddy. That's, that's very good. Zach, where can people find you? <laughs> people can find me... On Twitter at Xavier Files at XavierFiles.com, which is my website where you can find all the latest and greatest of next men news updates and whatever stuff, except for Hotspox Talks, which is our which is our analysis into the House of X and Powers of Ten, which you can now find exclusively on Polygon.com. You gotta sh- yep. you gotta shoot it over to me. <laughs> I'm sorry, Adam. <laughs> Adam, where can people find you? I am dealing with this three year old the best I can. <laughs> Guys, you can always follow me on Twitter at Arthur Stacy. Uh, new pages of Bish and Jubes, the Cross Time Conundrum, come out every X Men Monday at adamrec.tumblr.com. And uh, I was recently a guest on Dan Groat's WMQ and A podcast. Uh, hey, it was Adam. really fun. What's up? Uh, <laughs> yes, Adam. And you guys, Stop, uh, you guys can swear. check that out. Uh, Zach asked me a question. Charlie asked me a question, and it was really fun. And uh, Zach, what are we talking about next week? Next week, we're going to talk about Spider-Man. Ooh, I like Spider-Man. Uh, and his amazing friends. Uh, his friends that are the X-Men. It'll be a good time <laughs> to be had by all. But until then, this has been Battle of the Atom, and we hope you survived the experience. I sure don't think yeah. I did. <laughs> Get it! Come on, bud. This is great. Can I go upstairs? No, you can't sit down here, buddy. <laughs> Stop bear crawling. You can't. He's like, I want to be in Shatterstar's cereal corner. Cereal corner? I mean, I can talk about cereal. I can see you under the covers. You're not hiding very well. <laughs> <laughs> that boy has opinions. He de- yes, I mean, Fruit Loops are good. They're not as good as... Well, fun fact about cereal, if you didn't know, Adam, did you know they stopped like, making cereal with, like, wheat and instead make it with corn now? So it actually just universally tastes like Yeah, I mean, that, that tracks with the whole, like, corn industry, right? What? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that makes sense. Yeah. I, I mean, not, like, health-wise, but... <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's a whole thing, but uh, also... Lucky Charms aren't as good as you think they are or were at any point in time. Uh, I never liked Lucky Charms. My wife and my daughter yeah. like them, but nah, that's not uh, yeah. that's not that's not me. That's not me. Yeah, right? that's, that's not me. I don't roll that no, way. This not, I mean, I, I like Cinnamon <laughs> Toast Crunch. Uh, no, it's it's the best. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. Uh, I, I we bought a box of Apple Jacks this week. I've been digging that. That's been nice. Apple Jacks also really good. Solid. Um. It's very solid. I really liked the, um, really like Honey Nut Cheerios. Solid. Like, I just like a classic Honey Nut Cheerios. Yeah, yeah. Also, um, like anything, I do like, like, uh, I do like Pops, or I used to like Pops. I'm not so sure about how I feel about them now. Um, and Honey Smacks. Ooh. Mm-mm. Mm. You think they're good, and they kind of are, but they leave that weird film on your mouth. See, I, I'm having much fonder memories of Pops from, like, going to a Catskill country club as a child. And, like, they always had those little boxes of cereal at breakfast. And you never really knew what they were going to have. But inevitably, there was a box of Pops. And the grandparents, the old people that used to go to the Catskills thing, never really, like, touched the Pops. So you could always guarantee you were going to get some Pops. They were always going to be there. They were there. Yeah. They were good. And there was yeah. like uh... I do. I love the I love the mini packs of cereal. <laughs> like I like I aesthetically love like the small tiny boxes of cereal. It's like oh, it's perfect. They don't. Yeah, they don't sell them in the little tiny boxes usually anymore. Like they have them in like the little pouches you can like peel back, like the little 
like uh, plastic bowls you can peel back and then just put milk directly in, which is easier, but nothing really beats the aesthetic of a small, tiny box of like frosted flakes. Well, you can, I don't know. I mean, at least the grocery store I go to, they still sell like an eight pack and you can buy the little boxes, but the, the, the variety is never there. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's only, a, there's only like a handful in there. Yeah. yeah. You're going to get like Raisin Bran and you're going to be like, I <laughs> don't mind Raisin Bran, but I didn't want. Not even Raisin Bran Crunch. Jeez. Nope. It's going to be that and like Frosted <laughs> Flakes and uh, some other stuff that, you know, you're not as excited about. Like I want the more unique no. stuff in there. Like, give me, give me a good yeah. sampler. Yeah. Frosted Flakes, uh, still good. Pretty solid. Tricks. They don't taste as good as they used to because, again, they make them with corn mm. now. Yeah. Um, I think it's a while since I've had tricks. Good God. I mean, I really, I, I do enjoy cereal. Um, I never really like eating cereal in the morning. Like, cereal is always something I really want, like, right before I'm about to go to sleep. <laughs> I'm the same way. It's like a good dessert. You just, you know, pour yeah. out. I, I don't, I, I'm lactose intolerant, too. So, like, I just eat it. I don't, I don't pour milk on it. Which I guess mm-hmm. I could do that with. Uh... Well, they're good. Like dry cereal is good like oh, that. Yeah. Like it's I'll, good to munch I, I'd on. say some cereal is some cereal is better dry than it is with milk on it. So I like how we've just taken this over, and this is now a cereal podcast. Uh, and there will inevitably be no edits made to this whatsoever, and Zach will just have to deal with the fact that a good chunk of the podcast <laughs> is just you and I talking about cereal. He brought he brought it up. Um, I thought I thought he was going to ask me like Shatterstar's top seven cereals, and I could tell you them, but he didn't ask me that question. <laughs> well, of course you've thought that's that's an important uh, yeah. Important no, you did a you did a really good job picking movies, also by the way. Oh, thank you. Uh, I wasn't sure if I was going in the right direction with the uh, the action adventure plus uh, some form of uh, of bum uh, you know bum nudity. Um, but, uh, that, that's sort of where I thought Shatterstar's interests might lie. I don't know. <laughs> no, it's, 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 it's good. Terminator 2, definitely, absolutely something, um, that they watched together. Um, there were just so many, there was so many action movies in the nineties. <laughs> like i they're a really big fan of Independence Day also. Oh yeah. That's um, a good pick. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought that he would really dig something like high intensity, very, uh, you know, action adventure, uh, macho, you know, whereas I, I kind of imagine that Richter would want to slow it down a little bit. You know what I mean? A little bit. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's back. Oh, no. Yeah, I'm back. I just got here. If you're going to sit down here with your headphones, you have to be quiet. Okay. Hey. <laughs> <sighs> Hi. Hey. We just had like a 10 minute convo about cereal. Yeah, I believe you it. You don't even have to edit it out. <laughs> it was great. We'll see what happens in post. <laughs> All right. Well, All right. Let, let me just jump in here. Anyway, 